this was an absolute delight <laughs> to pop on and talk about Batman for a couple hours. This was, this was really great. This is what I do by myself in my house with my dogs. Absolutely. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Welcome back to part two of our Batman in Film Roundtable. This is the Fandom Handbook, and I'm your host, Tony Pinella. This show is meant to be an instructional guide advising listeners on how best to navigate large fandoms. Whether you're already familiar with a franchise and just want an overview, or if you're a total newbie and want to know where best to start. I'm joined once again by Roundtable guests Zuri Washington and Garrett Murphy as we go through every theatrically released Batman movie and giving our takes on which installments are a must-watch, worth-watching, skippable, and which films you should consider never watching. In part one of Batman in Film, we discussed all of the live-action films of the late 80s and all throughout the 90s, directed by Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher, as well as the three animated Batman movies that have been released in theaters. I also gave some background information on Batman as a character, so if you're looking for any of that, I recommend you give part one a listen as well. Also, you could always use the time codes in the episode description to navigate to which specific topics or movies you want to hear us talk about, which is also the case with this episode. Here in part two, we're going to be discussing the films of Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, the two films featuring Batman in the DC Extended Universe, with an explanation of what that is, (laughs) as well as the whole Snyder Cut situation, And finally, we'll touch on the most recent release, 2022's The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson. At the very end of the show, there's a segment known as The Starter Pack, where we distill all of our advice and opinions we've given in both parts of this Batman discussion, and each panelist comes up with a three-film starter pack they'd suggest to someone brand new to all things Batman. Which three films do we think best represent all that Batman has to offer? I can't wait for you to find out. So, without any further introduction, let's jump back into this Batman conversation and discuss the first era we're focusing on today, the Dark Knight Trilogy. The first film of director Christopher Nolan's trilogy is 2005's Batman Begins. Christian Bale plays Bruce Wayne throughout all of the Dark Knight Trilogy. This first film serves as an origin story, as we see the murder of millionaire parents Thomas and Martha Wayne, as witnessed by their son. As an adult, Bruce Wayne travels abroad to immerse himself in the criminal underworld to better understand what is needed to clean up the streets back in Gotham. He finds Henry Ducard, as played by Liam Neeson, and Ra's al Ghul, played by Ken Watanabe, who train him to purge his fear and induct him into the League of Shadows. Upon returning to Gotham, Bruce is reunited with Alfred Pennyworth, his family's butler and estate caretaker, as played by Michael Caine, Lucius Fox, the CEO of Wayne Enterprises' Applied Science Division, as played by Morgan Freeman, as well as Rachel Dawes, played by Katie Holmes, Bruce's childhood friend who's now the assistant district attorney. Our hero must navigate his place in revitalizing Gotham City, both as an influential billionaire with powerful connections at his family's tech company, as well as on the streets as his new masked vigilante persona, Batman. We are jumping back into this. The next era of Batman that we're going to be discussing is known as the Dark Knight Trilogy, directed by Christopher Nolan. Um, The first of these movies is Batman Begins, which I know earlier in the conversation there was a lot of talk of... We need more of who Bruce Wayne, who Batman is. And I feel like this movie does a a pretty solid job of delivering on that. What do we think of Christian Bale as our Bruce Wayne slash Batman? Well, Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor. And I think the only thing I don't, not not don't agree with, but like say like, oh, that could have been better is most people's complaint with these films is that his voice his batman voice <laughs> his batman voice is kind of i have to admit is a little ridiculous sometimes but um it is kind of funny yeah um zuri what are your thoughts on this take on a batman origin um 
fine. It's fine. Um, like it's called Batman Begins. It's very much not about like the rogues gallery as has been my complaint um, throughout most of the rest of the iterations that we've discussed. Mm -hmm. But that being said, what I I love Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. Please never get me wrong about that. But what I don't like is that he turned out to be because in Batman the Animated Series, looked like is supposed to look in terms of like his ethnic background. Hmm. I was like, this is a white man. Yeah. He like. Yes. He's, he's like, this is a white man. Yes. And I just didn't understand. Like, I don't understand the thought process, um, aside from being like, we got Liam Neeson. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just didn't get that. That is that is a, a solid point. I think, you know, this trilogy, obviously, people call it the Dark Knight trilogy because of the, the midpoint, which is right. critically acclaimed. I feel like the two bookends to the Dark Knight get a little bit of the the residual honor that comes with being part of this trilogy. It, yes. For this one, I think it's a good time. I, I do think there's some misfires when it comes to uh, certain details. I do think the Liam Neeson detail is a, a great example of that. But I think as far as introducing us to this version of Batman, I think it's a solid, I think it's a solid introduction. We definitely see him develop his Bruce Wayne side by the end. We get a little bit more of that distinction. But other than that, I think it's pretty straightforward. It's, I, I struggle with whether it's worth watching or if it's skippable because it's somewhere in the middle. Like, is it worth watching it? Sure. But there's definitely better Batman movies. So it's not a strong worth watching from my vantage point it's not memorable enough for me yeah like it, it's fine like i haven't watched it in a long 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 time mm -hmm. and i couldn't tell you certain aspects of it like right. which to me is a sign of a good movie i watched it again recently and it's not as there are its problems mm -hmm. but it is a fun romp i can't believe i just used the word romp <laughs> the, minute Love you, it. the minute it left your mouth you i saw your face it's perfect no <laughs> Oh, wait, did I just say that? What, that what was, is <laughs> goodness? Um, Garrett, language. I know <laughs> it's fun. You know, it's. I think what we're all forgetting is that this film, after ba this was the first, really the first Batman film after Batman and Robin. That is yes. true. That is a great point. This was the film that dragged us out <laughs> of the dark age of comic book movies. Yeah, that's a great point. It was point. a good palate cleanser. The, one thing this movie does get right that I do appreciate is, granted it is a spoiler because it's at the end, but I do like that his moral code is very much set in stone of like, I, you know, I'm not going to kill you. To, to quote directly, I'm not going to kill you. I don't have to save you. What is his worldview? What is his mindset? I think this movie does do a good job of that. It's just not the most interesting movie in itself outside of that, in my opinion. Um, right. It's a great yes, palate absolutely. cleanser movie, for sure. I love the term pa palate cleanser. It, it was a, a nice respite from a time of rough waters, for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, a lot of what this movie does is really, it does the legwork for the next one, which is why yeah. I think The Dark Knight is, everybody loves it so much. Which, yes. do you need to have seen this movie to appreciate and watch The Dark Knight? No. Not now. But it could help. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for that reason, I will give this a very weak worth watching. It's either a weak skippable or a weak worth watching because I'm right in the middle. Might as well see it. It's not the worst by any means, but they're definitely much better Batman movies. New category. <laughs> yes, yes. I, what is between skippable and worth watching? Just Might like, as well. eh, if eh. you have time. If, yeah, exactly. Put it low in the queue. <laughs> like, yeah, don't go out of your way, but it, you know, if it's on, might as well. Garrett, uh, what do you rank Batman Begins? I, mm, I'm i gonna have to go similar to you because I think it's worth watching if you're going for the full trilogy. Yeah. But on just a, this is Batman, I want to get that base Batman experience, Yeah, it's skippable. Okay. We have a- Skippable. Okay. Two skippables <laughs> and a tentative worth watching. I'm going to stay firm on it, but I'm barely, barely. I'm so close to skippable. The highly acclaimed midpoint of Christopher Nolan's trilogy is 2008's The Dark Knight. The events of this installment take place within a year of the last film, and Batman has made more of a name for himself. 
We open on a Gotham City still overwhelmed by organized crime. However, some criminals have become more fearful upon seeing the bat signal illuminating the sky. A beacon emitted by Lieutenant James Gordon, played once again by Gary Oldman, from the Gotham City Police Department as a signal that Batman's presence is needed. We open on a bank heist executed by a gang of goons in clown masks, an operation coordinated by a new sadistic mastermind known as the Joker, as played by Heath Ledger. This version of the Clown Prince of Crime is the perfect antithesis to Batman. Our hero holds strong allegiances to the safety of the people of Gotham, as well as his strict moral code, while the Joker holds no such loyalty to any person, set of values, or particular cause beyond purely igniting chaos and anarchy throughout the city. Along with the rise of Batman, and now the Joker, the culture of Gotham City has also seen a shift with the election of a new district attorney, Harvey Dent, as played by Aaron Eckhart, whose policies more aggressively target the criminal underworld of the city, considers that perhaps working closer with Batman could be helpful. The vigilante is able to work outside of the jurisdiction of both himself and the Gotham City Police Department. Batman can be Gotham's Dark Knight, as Dent assumes the role of Gotham's White Knight, as he looks to weed out those within his office and the GCPD who have been corrupted by the mob. On top of all of this, Bruce Wayne's childhood friend and previous love interest, Rachel Dawes, played in this movie by Maggie Gyllenhaal, is still the assistant district attorney and, in the time since the last film, has begun dating her newly elected boss, Harvey Dent. As the Joker becomes more fixated on those with a strong moral compass, his attacks become increasingly focused on testing the motivations of all who oppose him. Should Batman refuse to break his moral code, even in service of saving countless lives? Will he choose the role of hero or vigilante? The next film, it is... Uh, one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. People have talked endlessly about The Dark Knight. It's been heavily praised. Opening Joker sequence is great. Like, what else is there to say? You should probably see it. I think it's like this film goes beyond even just, hey, if you want to understand Batman, you should see this. No, if you want to see important movies of the last 20 years, see this film. It's that impactful on just the way that our culture has gone. An interesting point you bring up in saying that, though, yes, I think it's an important pop culture touchstone for sure. Is it important as a Batman movie? Because this is what I think. I think that when it comes to this movie, this is the first, at least the first Batman movie, maybe the first comic book movie that dealt with current themes of what was happening at the time. Yeah. And I think delved into the psyche of human consciousness and made us question ourselves like i i guess watchmen because watchmen the movie came out before this but i hate that movie so i don't want to talk about it the the graphic novel is great mm -hmm. read the graphic novel but that being said in batman context at least before this point it had been very like ooh, look at gotham ooh, look at his suits ooh, look at his gadgets ooh, look at the things we can sell this was the first time that it wasn't about that um Ooh, look at this social commentary. Right, the social commentary <laughs> yeah, exactly. of it all. Which is my favorite part of Batman just in general. I think a lot of it is about social commentary, how we treat our downtrodden, how we treat the ne'er-do-wells and how we can reform them or should we reform them or do they want to be reformed? Right. I think that, that that's the, the first time in a movie context that this was discussed in the Batman uh, mythos and, and film work. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to... I always think with this movie... Heath Ledger's performance was phenomenal. Yeah. It, it, it will go down in history as one of the best performances of all time. That being said, I always wonder if people would have felt the same way if he hadn't have died. And, Ooh. Uh, and that's hard to say because he's right. dead. Like, of you, course. you know, we're, we're, we're talking like hindsight. Of course. Kind of, course. of thing. Because people didn't think that Heath Ledger, they were like, no, why did you cast him? This right. is stupid. This is a bad choice. Why would you do this? The guy from 10 Things I Hate About You? Uh, the guy from A Knight's Tale? What are, like, right. what are you doing? Yeah, yep, um, yep, yep. An Australian dude? What are, like, <laughs> yeah. He's handsome. He had so many marks against him. Mm -hmm. He was like teen heartthrob of the early 2000s. Right. So for him to pull out this performance was really great. But we're still talking about it because partially because he's dead. That's that is a that is true. 
That is very true. I mean, I do think the performance stands. Uh, Yeah, that is a really interesting question. I don't know. Because it recontextualizes how you watch things, right? Right. When people die. When the next time a Black Panther movie comes out, people are going to be like, (laughs) where's... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, people are just going to, like, lose their minds. Right. It's really hard for people to think, like, this person I'm watching on screen, it's hard for them to fathom that they're gone so they feel an attachment to the last persona that they played or the the most important persona that they have played well because i feel like you have to say you obviously say goodbye to the actor but you also say goodbye to the character and that interpretation of the character right i mean i the next black panther movie i'm definitely thinking about that with chadwick boseman like we know that that storyline is just done at that point you're like wow okay i've got to say goodbye to that we have to explore what's new Unlike in that example where it is the front person in a franchise, here, I mean, the Joker is one of many, many villains. And so, you know, you are able to move on from him in the next movie, which we'll hit on in a second. But what a memorable interpretation of a comic book villain, (laughs) honestly. Do we give this a must watch or do we give it just a worth watching? I'm going to go must watch. Honestly, I don't even know how I could say this could... Like, I understand from, like, just a Batman perspective, Mm -hmm. but honestly, this film has been so prevalent in everything that really, to miss it, I think, would also be missing so much of the base understanding of the character and everything, and I think that this is just so prevalent in that. Part of me wants to fight giving it a must-watch, having it being influenced by the pop culture side of it all, because it is, and I think it is historically one of the most influential comic movies of all time. But that being said, I also do think it is a good movie. So I I do think I will put it as a must-watch personally. Um, Zuri, where are you at? I think it's a must-watch because of the combination of comic books that it draws inspiration from. Hmm. Again, The Long Halloween. Almost anything that deals with The Long Halloween for me, I'm just like... Yes, thank you. Because <laughs> it's one of the best. It's one of the best comic books of all time. Um, the long Halloween of it all. Aaron Eckhart's performance is also really yeah. great. Um, especially just just him in the hospital bed. Yeah. Just the hospital bed. Yeah, great. That so shift, good. that moment. Yeah. And I think that aside from. I, I could do without anything that has to do with Bruce's love life, honestly, in this True. entire trilogy. In this entire trilogy, leave it out. I know you can't leave it out because it's very important to who Bruce is right? Um, to some extent. But that being said, I hated it the whole time. <laughs> um, and I didn't see any value in it um, except to be like, oh, look, we need a woman so that she can almost die. <laughs> Man, uh, yeah. Cool. Great. <laughs> Yeah, love that that's that's a thing um, i i feel like you could have created that same moment without it being a love interest or with having invested a bit more in that character's development unfortunately that's not what we got there but that being said you still you still give it a must watch i give it i do i do i give it a must watch for the reasons that i said before that movie was pivotal in how comic book movies happened afterwards Absolutely. batman begins was like eh, fine yeah and then this movie like changed how people were like oh well we need to do like this is how people think of christopher nolan right as a director yes <laughs> like yes. they think of the dark knight absolutely so it would be hard to just be like it's worth watching when it's literally the magnum opus of his entire career absolutely all right so must watches across the board the final film of christopher nolan's trilogy is 2012's the dark knight rises eight years after the last film Gotham has reached a time of peace. Bruce Wayne has become increasingly absent, both in his capacities as an influential billionaire, as well as his alter ego of Batman. It is at this time that a sizable threat from the past finds its way to Gotham in the form of a hulking, masked terrorist known as Bane, as played by Tom Hardy. He's a key leader in a movement that believes that Gotham City, with its history of violence and organized crime, is beyond saving and seeks its total destruction. Bruce has to decide how to go about taking down this seismic threat and seeks the support of allies, both old and new. The latter group includes the likes of rookie GCPD officer John Blake, as played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, wealthy tech investor Miranda Tate, as played by Marion Cotillard, businessman John Daggett, as played by Ben Mendelsohn, and a cat burglar named Selena Kyle as played by Anne Hathaway. 
the final of these three movies, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Um, Trash. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, you're coming <laughs> off of this cultural touchstone, and you know, not only was it just underwhelming by comparison, but but this movie does fail in a few key areas. Um, one of which is the fact that you can't understand Bane half the movie. Um, that is the biggest. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the South Park reference to it, their episode about it, where you sort of left our lives alone, Mister UPS man. <laughs> but like, I, that's like it's like the funniest thing I've born. ever seen. We think about it all the time. But oh, um, because he, again, because he died, that changed the entire trajectory of the trilogy. Like yeah. the entire trajectory. They didn't know what to do, and it's very clear that yeah. they did not know what to do. Uh, I mean, they try. They, I mean, Bane is kind of a misfire, and then. This version of Catwoman, uh, Selena Kyle. How do we feel about Anne Hathaway? I just don't know why she existed. I, I don't. It didn't matter if it was Anne Hathaway or not. I was just right. like, why? Until I rewatched it recently, I completely forgot she was in it. Like yeah. I remember Bane. I remember some of the twists. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's right, she's in it. That's the thing. Huh. I mean, if you contrast this with the two other Catwomen in this pantheon of movies, it's like one is an iconic performance that you know, will be forever remembered. And then in the most recent adaptation, which we'll get to shortly, she's pivotal. She's pivotal to everything that's happening. Right. Here, it's just sort of like, oh, I guess Bruce doesn't have a vague love interest anymore. Let's throw a Catwoman in there. But Talia. That's true. That is true. We had a whole Talia. Why did we need Selena? Yeah, we did have a whole Talia <laughs> I right don't there. understand. It yeah. was just like, they, they just threw stuff out a wall to see what would stick. That's what it yeah. felt like the entire movie. Like, there were four villains in this movie, if I'm going to, for in my opinion. There was Selena Kyle-ish, mm. Ish. Um, Bane, Talia, and Bruce himself, who was like destroying his own reputation. Yeah. And so I just was like, your fight, there are too many things that we are trying to add into this movie and you could just focus on Talia. You could focus on Talia alone by herself, right. but also then the fact that Talia knew Bane and then there was, a, I was like, what are we doing? Do you understand how Talia functions? Like as a, as a, as a device in general, do you understand who she is fundamentally as a human being? Because this Bane existing and then uh, just, Connection, it made yeah. No sense. Right. I was like, I need a Lazarus pit, or I don't know what we're talking about. I'm so sad that we've never gotten a really good Bane because he's such a great character. He's a great character, and yeah. he's really smart. What I think they were trying to do was do the exact opposite of what the prior iteration um, in uh, Batman, Batman and Robin, uh, and Robin did, which is like, oh look, big dumb. And then, but then in this, they were like, he's really smart, and I said, cool, but. On top of that, he's also supposed to be Latino. Like, I love recent cartoon iterations have been very specific. They're like, this is his original name. He's from wherever he, I can't, I can't even remember where Bane is from, but he's from like- Santa Prisca, I believe. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But he has a very specific backstory. And so they've given him an accent. They make sure they cast actors that are of Latino descent. And so if, for them to do this weird version with this weird voice and then have Talia somehow involved and what's what's her accent? How did they know each right. other? I don't understand what was happening. Right. I God, I, I don't know what was going on with that movie. Side side note, wait, is, is, is your reference to an animated property, is that the Harley Quinn show? They do, yes, okay. in Harley Quinn show. But they also, I th want to say in... Is it Young Justice? I think Young Justice as well. Um, pretty much any cartoon iteration that has happened in the last, it is 2022. So in the last like five to 10 years, they really have been like, Bane is of Latin descent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just so you're aware. <laughs> there you go. It, the vagueness in this interpretation, it just hurts it along with the lack of that representation. That's the thing. Also to your point of they're throwing everything at the wall. The time not to do that is the conclusion of your trilogy. And it just ends these three movies on just such an odd note where they try to give us some closure without spoiling it. It doesn't completely work, but it's fine, I guess. But um, as far as a ranking, um, I do give this movie a skippable. Unless you're a perfectionist who needs to finish a trilogy, then do what you want to do. But as far as my recommendation, I just I think this is a skippable movie. Zuri, where, where are you at with this one? I, I say whatever the lowest one was, don't watch it. This is a never watch. Never watch it. It's oh. not worth it. 
Oh, no, not at all. It is okay. not worth it at all. Wow. I, I think that if they wanted to make an actually good trilogy, bring back Liam Neeson. Like, what are we, like, what are you doing? Because I don't think they had a plan <laughs> at all from the start. And yeah. it's, to me, that seems pretty clear. Because then they were like, oh, we have the Joker, and then we're going to do this with the Joker in the third one. But what about Ra's al Ghul? That is extremely important. Mm -hmm. I would like to, again, like to see a Lazarus pit. But, uh, but if we're going to have Talia, bring Talia into the second one. And she can be the romantic yeah. interest who's trying to get in and boop, boop, boop. Oh, she's sexy. She's beautiful. Blah, 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 whatever, whatever. I think this was a poorly constructed everything. So wow. So that is a never watch. Don't okay. watch it. There you go. Uh, Garrett, where do you fit between a, a skippable, never watch? I'm going to be... I'm going to be kind to what this film does right. It, it does not do a lot right. Okay. But what it does <laughs> do right... I keep coming off so mean to things, no, and I don't mean it. I just love it. I just love the way you say things, because your voice is so, like, soft and, like... <laughs> you very kindly... And then you're like, yeah, so this was actually complete garbage. And I'm like... <laughs> yeah. Ugh. No, Amazing. what this film does right is when it goes big, you feel the size and weight of things. Like, I okay. feel the money put into it. <laughs> from a I feel, budgetary scope situation sure yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's like the big fight scenes at the end where like there's the two I don't know groups armies whatever I they mean, were yeah. going up against each other I felt that size and scale I just didn't feel it in the writing yeah I, I got lost in a lot of that like I, I, to your point the budget and like the staging of it sure contextually I just I was sort of lost in all the fighting and then also Joseph Gordon-Levitt was there and I was like... just gonna say that I forgot he was in it until five minutes ago <laughs> and he it yeah who is he supposed to be spoiler alert I don't know they were very vague about it Robin Nightwing I don't know what's happening <laughs> not though but yes but no I don't know I the the funniest part to me about his entire character is I figured out you were Batman because I looked at your face it's like, what? And he's like, yeah. what? Shouldn't there have been a scene setting this up? No, I saw your face, man. Wild. Oh my God. <laughs> so, Garrett, uh, what do you give uh, this movie? A never watch, a skippable? I'm I'm going to be slightly nice. I'm going to say skippable. Okay. But it's it's on the lower end of skippable. Okay. Just, just watch The Dark Knight. Just watch The Dark Knight and move on. That's all you need from this trilogy, really. Next, we're covering Batman's two appearances in films featured in the DC Extended Universe. The DCEU is a series of interconnected films surrounding the superheroes owned by DC Comics, including members of the Justice League like Superman, Wonder Woman, and, of course, Batman. Not to be confused with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, which centers around characters belonging to rival comic book publisher Marvel Comics, including members of the Avengers like Iron Man, Captain America, and The Incredible Hulk. It's also worth noting that Marvel was the first to establish its canon of interconnected movies, releasing seven films over five years prior to the first DCEU installment, proving the strong potential of setting up a shared universe where the movies of individual superheroes share continuity and can later build up to stories of them crossing paths and eventually teaming up. 2016 saw Batman's first appearance in the DCEU in what was only the second installment of the franchise. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice introduces an older, more grizzled, experienced Batman as played by Ben Affleck. In the aftermath of Superman's previous solo film, the world is still grappling with the appearance of the all-powerful Kryptonian being. We see the final battle of the aforementioned movie, however, we see it through the eyes of Bruce Wayne. In the midst of the collateral damage is the Wayne Enterprises headquarters, adding some of Bruce's employees to the list of the battle's casualties. Despite the fact that Superman's actions have thus far shown him to be someone trying to protect Earth to the best of his abilities, Batman sees Superman's incredible power as a potential danger to humanity if allowed to go unchecked. Two years pass, and Superman, as played by Henry Cavill, is working as a journalist for news outlet The Daily Planet, using his alter ego of Clark Kent. As the public discourse around Superman is still mixed with both hero worship and fear-mongering, Clark is curious to further investigate a story about the Bat Vigilante in Gotham. The more he follows this lead, the more he disapproves of Batman's methods of taking out criminals, 
and also sees him as a vigilante unworthy of being allowed to operate. Seeing the controversy surrounding Superman as an opportunity, billionaire mogul Lex Luthor convinces Senator June Finch, as played by Holly Hunter, to allow his tech conglomerate, LexCorp, to recover and study Kryptonite, which was part of the rubble of Superman's previous battle. He then pushes further, looking for access to a crashed Kryptonian ship and the DNA of Superman's deceased enemy Zod, under the premise of developing a biological weapon that could be used against Superman if needed. Through further scheming on the part of Luther, Superman is further framed as a murderer who has cost countless lives and further sets the groundwork for Batman and Superman to face off in combat. So, after this highly praised trilogy, we then get into the two Batman appearances in the DC Extended Universe, which for those at home who aren't familiar with that, basically, uh, you know what Marvel did? Where they had this like 20 year interconnected film thing? DC went, oh sh we've not done any of that. And so we just need to start throwing things together. So we had one Superman movie and then we decided to throw him in a movie with Batman called Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. It's one of the, it's a terrible movie. My, for me, the fatal flaws of this movie are the characterization of Batman as well as just the basic premise on why there's a conflict between him and Superman. First of all, removing Batman's moral compass, making him willing to just murder people, completely destroys a lot of the essence of the character, especially coming off of the Nolan movies where the whole thing was he never kills, but the Joker's trying to put him in situations that he could cross that line in order to, to save people. So we have this older grizzled Batman who doesn't have a sacred code he's trying to uphold, but also the premise of Batman and Superman facing off against each other is so poorly written. Like, I can go into this without spoilers. Superman's whole thing with Batman is that he sees the way that this Batman goes about fighting crime in Gotham City without <laughs> any moral code, and his gripe is, I don't agree with the way this guy operates. He doesn't deserve to go unchecked. Meanwhile, Batman's whole thing looking at Superman, being all powerful and stuff, he's like, I don't like the way this guy operates. He doesn't deserve to go unchecked. They have the same issue with each other. Like, a, a conflict like this should be built on a a difference a difference on worldviews maybe there's a version of this where instead of lex luther because this version of lex luther is not great maybe that maybe batman is just the antagonist who is creating a weapon to deter superman because he sees him as a danger meanwhile superman's whole thing can be like hey i'm trying to save people and you're trying to stop me and i see that as bad like that's a more basic okay that's that's basically Okay, that's basically Captain America Civil War. Look, am I trying to make Batman Tony Stark and, and Superman Captain America? Just a little. But they didn't have the history in order to do that. It's yeah. fine if you want to do a Batman versus Superman. They go versus each other all the time. This happens constantly. Sure. I Did I hate watch this? Because, I, yes, I hate watched this and I didn't watch the next film. I refused. Oh. I was like, no, I haven't seen it. You did not see it. Justice I, League. No, I refuse okay. to see either version. I don't Oof. care. If you can't tell your story in two and a half hours, Zack Snyder, then you don't deserve to tell the story to begin Just with, wait. first yes. of all. Yes. But when it comes to Batman versus Superman, the whole Martha of it all, oh. the whole the whole Lex Luthor gave you all your symbols and taught told you all who each I was like, I don't know what's happening. And also he wasn't even the real Lex Luthor and Jesse Eisenberg. There were so many poor casting decisions that were made, let alone uh, acting and uh, script. Let's talk about Affleck. Because the thing is, Batman, what do we know about him? He's rich. Great, Correct. he did that. Um, he is a genius detective. We never... He steals a hard drive once. That's the, <laughs> that's the most... He's... Not only is he not a brilliant strategician or whatever in these movies, he isn't even that smart. He doesn't even do much. It just didn't make any sense what was happening. If you have Batman and you have Wonder Woman in the same universe, how did he not question who this woman was right. like 20 years ago? He's been being Batman for 20 He's years. Batman. Like, like I, I, don't, I don't understand. It was just, he just reminds me of like, Clint Eastwood, like he like an old man, like get off my lawn to <laughs> Superman. That's what he feels like in this yeah. movie. And he's like an older, and we're getting an older version of Bruce Wayne. So I'm like, for, so this movie is bad if only because you started off your entire universe with an old Bruce Wayne. What the, 
what are you doing? Why are you doing this to the universe at large? Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be of comparable ages, like close right. enough in age. Like I call it Jesus age. Yes. Which is like in the like the yeah. 30 to 33 range right. where you're really going through stuff. Um and, and and they're both supposed to be like that. Mm -hmm. And you have a youngish Superman who's around that age, maybe a little younger. Mm -hmm. And then you have a 40s to f early 50s Batman. I know that this is a uh, an opinion that is held pretty universally throughout the fandom is that Ben Affleck was a good Batman which is fine like outside of the context of his movie people like him as batman okay. and i'm like sure fine but that being said i just think it, everything was so dark in the movie Zack snyder doesn't understand the characters very clearly does um to be like batman versus superman alone could be a movie sure. then you said batman versus superman dawn of justice why are we having the justice league involved in any way shape or form. It makes no sense. Well, and also, uh, something you mentioned, Zuri, was also the fact that this is an older Batman who's been through a lot of shit, and it's like, it's not interesting if we don't see it. It's like, oh yeah, I've been through, I lost my Robin. And you're just like, I don't, you didn't show me that. In instead, I'm just, I'm seeing the results of a history that wasn't there. Versus, if you're gonna compare it to what they were trying to do, like the MCU, the core of that conflict is like, Captain America's good friend, who we've seen in two films prior and have a fleshed out relationship, has an issue with Iron Man, who has had three movies before this point. Like, there was so much development put into those films, and this uh, this rushed job, it's like, I have no attachment to anyone's mom, let alone them, you know, it's, it, it, yeah. <laughs> Garrett, do you, do you have a, a glimmer of positivity, or will you kindly <laughs> deliver the, the killing blow to this, this film? <laughs> I, how do I put this? I don't hate this movie. You don't hate it? I don't hate it. Okay. I think. I hate it. <laughs> I, I, I see that. <laughs> okay, no, I want to hear it though. Yeah, okay. I remember when I saw this because it was my birthday. Okay. And I was very excited because it was Batman and Superman. Mm. I didn't love it. I am very 50-50 on this movie. Interesting. Okay. And I think a lot of that has to do with the entire reason that this film, the entire reason the DCEU exists, right. maybe not Man of Steel, but every this film and everything after in the DCEU is because Warner Brothers saw the MCU and went, oh. Yeah, exactly. And they tried to rush as quick as they could out the door to get where they were right. without understanding anything. And I, and I do feel bad for Zack Snyder in this because he got a lot of that dumped on his plate. I, I understand you don't like I Zack just, Snyder. See, Zack Snyder has a history of not doing well in this genre. So it's not like this was the first time. So I just want to put that out there. And Man of Steel was okay. It wasn't great. Right. I can, listen, I, to your point, Garrett, I can empathize with being the person that DC comes to to be like, fix our extended universe situation. The thing that I can't get past, I've been doing research and listening to interviews of like, what is your mentality when it comes to Batman and him having a code and all that? There wasn't like a, like an intellectual reason as to like, well, I think, you know, he's a little bit more roughed up at this point. Zack Snyder's basically said, honestly, if you like superheroes who are all Boy Scouty, then you're dumb. If you think that your heroes like don't kill and what then that's just a fantasy and it's like what do you come to these movies for if not a fantasy of somebody who tries to aspire to be better of someone who tries to have a code versus like no it'd be cool if he just if the batman had like guns and shot things up and he just blew shit up then he's just he's just a transformer he is just a michael bay transformer, <laughs> at that point. transformer. <laughs> i don't think he was the per right person for this movie I think some of the ideas could have been done well. If we had a broken Batman, that would have been more impactful. The one nice thing I can say about this Batman, the electronic voice when he's in the suit, that's cool. Oh, yeah. The, like, the auto-tuned, whatever. That's cool. That's the one nice thing I can give this movie. Otherwise, I give it an unabashed never watch, personally. Um, Zuri, I, I assume you are of a similar... <laughs> Never watch it. It is garbage. It is straight garbage. Zack Snyder is garbage as a DC Extended Universe making person. He 
he is responsible. He is single-handedly responsible, not single-handedly, but he is responsible along with Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman 1984. They oh. had the ideas. I'm sorry. I You can say, like, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, mm. some of, the, there's some ideas in there, yeah. sure. But there's some good ideas in a lot of people's really bad <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like, I just wanted to be nice. Agreed. I you know. know what, the execution, because what we're, what, what we have to judge is the execution. Yeah. And the execution is poor. His execution of Watchmen, he has a, a whole graphic novel in front of him. And right. he ch he changed to stuff that didn't need to be changed. Right. For what? For why? It's so interesting that an interest, like a whole subsection of this fandom that likes the Zack Snyder stuff. Oh, I know. Literally to the point that they released a four-hour cut of the other movie, it's very focused on what could have been. And I, I am very much of the same mindset as you, Zuri, where I, it's just... But you didn't. The thing is, you could have, but you didn't, and that's that's where I, I stand solidly in my never watch. Garrett, where do you where do you land as far as skippable, worth watching, never watch? I'm going to say skippable. Okay. Because if you want to see this film, you're definitely of a certain mindset, and you like the Snyderverse, and that's fine. Then this film is for you. Mm -hmm. However. I'm trying to be nice. Let's think. If you're a new person, no, I appreciate. I love that about you, Garrett. You're so sweet. You're so cute about it. I just am a hateful human person, <laughs> and I know this about myself, and I'm okay with that. But I love that for you. Oh, geez. so a skippable it, for you? Um, it's a skippable for me. All right. After the release of Batman v Superman. Ben Affleck's Batman makes a brief cameo in 2016's Suicide Squad, but his next significant DCEU appearance wasn't until the following year in 2017's Justice League. Before getting into the plot of this film, as strange as this sounds, it's actually worth noting some very relevant behind-the-scenes information. Zack Snyder, director of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, worked on the majority of this project. However, after the tragic passing of his daughter, Snyder had to leave the production and Joss Whedon was brought in to see the movie through post-production. This resulted in a version of Justice League released in theaters that was very poorly received. Many DCEU fans and apologists of this movie claim this was because Zack Snyder was not able to see his original vision of the film through to the end. So, in the wake of this dissatisfaction, an aggressive online campaign was born, calling on Warner Brothers Pictures to hashtag release the Snyder Cut of Justice League. This push for the studio to release a version of the movie without the brighter tone and reshoots done under Joss Whedon's direction was so vigilant and unwavering to a point that was honestly really impressive. And it clearly made an impact because in October of 2020, nearly three years after Justice League's original theatrical release, Warner Brothers put tens of millions of dollars into bringing back the cast for reshoots and completing visual effects, additional scoring, and editing parts of this version of the movie that simply didn't exist in the original release, all done under Zack Snyder's direction. At the end of all of this, January of 2021 saw the release of a four-hour cut of the film known as, quote, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which premiered on HBO Max. So I bring all this up for two reasons. Firstly, it's such a fascinating story about how fans advocated intently for what they wanted out of a franchise, and surprisingly, the studio gave them what they wanted. And to be honest, as you'll hear back on the roundtable, this behind-the-scenes story might just be more compelling to me, personally, even more so than the actual movie we got as a result of it in the end. But I still really wanted to give the fans who love the Snyder Cut and pushed for its existence their due diligence. All that being said, we touch on both the theatrical version of Justice League as well as the four-hour Snyder Cut back on the roundtable. But before we jump to that conversation, here's a very brief plot synopsis of Justice League. After the events of Batman v Superman, Bruce Wayne is inspired to team up with new ally Diana Prince, also known as Wonder Woman, who is played by Gal Gadot. A new threat faces Earth as a team of parademons follow the order of their leader, Steppenwolf. 
They've come to collect three cubes of enormous power known as mother boxes. One is located on the island of Themyscira, protected by the Amazons. Another is secured under the sea in Atlantis. And the third box's location is unknown. The power of these boxes could be used to conquer and destroy the planet. So in the face of this catastrophic threat, Batman and Wonder Woman reach out for aid and assemble a team of heroes to stop this threat, including Cyborg, as played by Ray Fisher, Aquaman, as played by Jason Momoa, and The Flash, as played by Ezra Miller. The next movie, cinematically, in this universe, and the only other movie that this Batman was featured in, is Justice League, which, in a strange turn of events, um, the initial movie was panned by most people as a terrible movie. You saved yourself, Zuri. It's, it's, it is a terrible time. Well, granted, we have to acknowledge, like, unfortunately, behind the scenes, Zack Snyder had a death in the family and had to leave the project midway through. So there's this weird moment of, like, well, he didn't have full control of the movie, therefore this wasn't his vision. So he got the unique opportunity to release a four-hour cut. And to do reshoots. Yeah. I just uh, want to put that out there, but continue. Absolutely. Parts of this movie to fully realize whatever his vision was. Um, before we get into it, Garrett, I'm going to start with what, what you think of both the original cut and I assume you've seen the four-hour. I hated the original theatrical cut of Justice League. The only reason I watched four-hour Justice League was for this podcast. Otherwise, I had no intention of ever putting an extra two hours into a movie that I didn't like when it was at its original runtime. Garrett, what is your take on four-hour Justice League, specifically from the Batman side of things? Well, in some ways, it's a more Batman film than Batman v Superman. True. Because that was more of a Superman film. Okay. Correct. And it's definitely important to get the backstory of the four-hour cut out of the way. Yeah. Because I followed the production of Justice League and the uh, the Snyder Cut a little bit. The reason that's four hours, in my, in my uh, knowledge, is because it was originally supposed to be a two-parter. Hmm. Then he had to leave, and Joss Whedon came in and changed a lot of stuff. You can see, even in the shots that were kept... They're different takes and like the color correction and so much of that. And you could see which version that they chose. It's the same story. It goes in a different direction a little bit near the end, but they are clearly different visions. So I'm just going to come out and say theatrical cut of Justice League, never watch it. Oh, no. Both because I'm not a fan of this take on Batman or the DCEU, but also as a film, it, on top of that suffers from this too many cooks in the kitchen, Joss Whedon and Schneider. Um, that being said, four-hour edition, it, it didn't feel like a movie because I was sitting, it felt like I binged a miniseries, which some people like about it, to be fair. And I hate this because I know there's people who love this, and this four-hour cut fixes all the issues. I just think it's the same movie drawn out more. There's moments that you get, there's context that you have given, but it's still the same story Honestly, as far as Batman's concerned, it didn't do much for him. There's a weird Elseworld alternate universe moment, but that really has no consequence in the present. What the movie did for Cyborg was great, and it gave Barry Allen a little bit more backstory and stuff to work with. But outside of those two, especially on a podcast where we were focusing on Batman, I, I say both four-hour version and theatrical cutter never watches especially when it comes to batman just because i think it just misses the mark both on him gotham and then also the justice league i think as a director if you are not capable because Zack snyder seems incapable of telling the story he wants to tell in less time than like three and a half to four hours right and because this happened with watchmen too where the watchmen theatrical release people panned it and then they watched the director's cut and they're like but the director's cut and i'm like right. but what's the point then i just don't understand if the theatrically released version is not good then it's not good right. like it, uh, most people don't watch the director's cuts right. and and I think that as it pertains to uh, Justice League in particular, there was just a lot of logical fallacies that um, as continued from Batman versus Superman and even Man of Steel, the house of cards on which it stood was so faulty yeah. that I can't give my time and attention to four hours worth of nonsense. Right. I think that Cyborg, I love Cyborg's backstory, but leave it out of this movie. Leave like There's so many other things that we have to figure out. Cyborg is a teen titan before he's in the Justice League. 
right? How about that? Yeah. Can we talk about can we talk about Teen Titans? Yeah, it's just a lot of it does feel contrived. The reason for that is just because the goal isn't to make a good movie. A goal is to catch up with Marvel, and we right. need to be at this point that Marvel took decades to get to cinematically. Right, and they need to have Bruce. Tam- I don't know why they don't ask Bruce Tim or people from the animation department because yeah. DC's animation department. Pretty much most of the time nails it. Like 90% of the time, they nail it. It's great. Good content all around. But when it comes down to their live action, they are floundering and they don't use the other parts of themselves to fix it. Right. What, What Marvel succeeds at very well is they find people who know the material really well. Like, so well. The the reason why the first Avengers was so good is because of Joss Whedon. Mm -hmm. And then we deal with this kind of, uh, I'm kind of flipping uh, and talking about a variety of things, but when it comes to Joss Whedon, the tonality of what happened in Justice League was part of the problem because, remember, at the time, um, people were complaining that DC was too dark. Right. For me, for my money, it was too dark. And when I say too dark, I don't mean that I need ha 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 humor, but Batman isn't all doom and gloom. He's the straight man. And sometimes it's funny when he says things by comparison to other people. I, I laugh many times during Batman the Animated Series just because he's so dry. He's so dry. And so it's clear that they don't understand, Warner Brothers doesn't understand. That's what they did to the, to the original Suicide Squad movie, right? They right. were like, oh, we need to change the tone. We need to do this. But that's mm-hmm. not what you needed. You need to understand your characters and understand how they each work in tandem with each other to create a balanced piece that is both gritty and has humor. Humor does not mean ha 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 ha. Right. So anyway, the, but that that's that's a whole that Zack Snyder found himself in the middle of this whole conversation because you're trying to deal with the legacy of the Nolan trilogy in being dark and gritty, and so you're like, oh, everything should be dark and blah 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 blah. But not every character needs to be dark. Superman does not need to be gritty. Superman I'm sorry. definitely doesn't need to be gritty. No. <laughs> and I hate that they killed Jonathan Kent in the first movie. I was like, why? Why would you do that? Why, right. For for what reason? Because <laughs> it's gotta this? be dark. Because it's gonna he be needs, dark. Batman's parents are dead. We need Superman's parents to be dead too. Like I don't know. His dad needs to be dead. That was the only logic behind yeah. it. It's very clear that Zack Snyder didn't have a plan that involved things that made sense for the the, the logical conclusion of character building. Yeah. Yep. So to to wrap up Justice League. Never watch. Yes. Well, clear for you, Zuri, never watch because you will never watch it. You are are in a very great position. (laughs) I will also say for four-hour director cut, and it might be controversial with folks who really do appreciate the vision and all that, I'd be lying if I said a skippable. Personally, I'm going to say it's a never watch. Certainly for a new Batman fan too, you don't need to be in this area. Um, Garrett, where are you at with the film, both as a film as well as in the context of Batman? As a Batman film, it is the same film as the theatrical cut because their roles are exactly the same. So I'm going to say for a new Batman fan, never watch. However, if you liked Batman v Superman, you are going to like this. So if that is the case, then I'm going to say <laughs> skippable. A fair recommendation. Correct. A fair recommendation. If that's what you like, then all, all the power to you. Clearly, the opposite is true in my case. If I, I saw Batman vs. Superman, and I disliked this as well. So I, I the opposite absolutely applies. Part of me was like, it would be so great if I could find someone who had a very, very strong, oh, loved it. Because I've heard a lot of hype around this four-hour cut, but I, you know... Yeah, it is what it is, and and we're all on the side of skippable and never watch. DC fans are just trying. I love DC Comics. Uh, DC is my favorite universe when it comes to the comics. When it comes to the cinematic part of it, it's Marvel. And I think that DC fans want so badly to cling to something and hope that they can get their Marvel Cinematic Universe out of all of this. And it's not gonna happen. No, it's not. It's not gonna happen. Also, Ezra Miller keeps getting arrested. That's a whole other, (laughs) Ezra Miller thing is wild. They're in a rough spot for sure. And at last, the most recent take on Gotham's Hero is the final film of our discussion. The most recent release as of this recording, 2022's The Batman. Introducing Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman, this film reportedly does not share any continuity with the DCEU or any other films. It simply stands on its own. This version of Batman seems to show the caped crusader at a much earlier point in his career of crime fighting. 
which is in stark contrast to the previous, more grizzled and aged iteration of the character. The movie begins on Halloween night with the murder of Gotham City's mayor. Both the GCPD and Batman investigate the crime scene, discovering a homemade greeting card in a green envelope. It's addressed to the Batman. Inside is a riddle and a series of glyphs meant to put the world's greatest detective to the test. As this mystery unravels, Bruce Wayne deciphers a series of riddles and follows the clues within, taking him on a journey through the city that leads to uncovering many secrets along the way. Secrets pertaining to the history of Gotham, its relationship to organized crime, the GCPD, and even information pertaining to his deceased parents. Along the way, we encounter the likes of The Penguin, as played by Colin Farrell, Selena Kyle, as played by Zoe Kravitz, as well as the person behind the riddles themselves, as played by Paul Dano. In response to involving everything in the DCEU is a problem, it's not going great, it's not gelling, we finally have the most recent release, The Batman, which, by all appearances, appears to not be connected to any of that stuff, which I think is one of many strong points for this movie. That aside, I mean, he is the world's greatest detective, and this movie gives him a damn mystery to solve. And it is fascinating. It is riveting. This interpretation of the, of the Riddler is so uh, specific and distinct and unique. If you want a full review of the entire movie, I will once again plug Zuri's podcast. Uh, Super Black has a The Batman in-depth review, which is very, very, very good. Go check it out. Um, but for the purposes of this covering all of our bases, what is your summarized opinion for a new viewer of Batman? I think that this is the most cohesive live action version of Batman that I have seen, which I've seen all of them. And <laughs> I say that because, again, we get to the detectiveness of it all, which I think is the most important part of Batman. The focus is not on his rogues gallery. It is just, there's literally like one 0.25 yeah. of, of them in this. And I think what they, this movie does really well there was a lot of silence, but I love mm. that because Batman the Animated Series is the same way. Um, Batman the Animated Series, there's many moments where there's, in, in a cartoon of the 90s, that's unheard of, where there's not like like talking at all points to because you're a child and they're marketing it towards children. But to just have silence and just to watch what he does and to listen to Gotham and to hear the breath of Gotham and the heartbeat of what Gotham is. Gotham was a character in this movie yeah. in a less superficial way than the Tim Burton uh, version, because I think for the Tim Burton version, it's very superficial. Mm. Um, it's very like, oh, look at the stylized buildings and look at this and da 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 da. But in this, I was like, should I? I'm scared. <laughs> what's, yeah. gonna, what's gonna happen at the next moment? It's a well, well, well made movie. Mm -hmm. And unlike with Zack Snyder, when it comes to three and a half, four hours, every moment of this movie was not wasted. Yes, every moment was used. Absolutely. Jumping over to uh, Garrett, what is your, your quickie take? What is your pitch to people to, to see this movie or, or whether they should see this movie, to be fair? After I saw this film, I could not stop thinking about it. This is one of those films that you will find yourself thinking about this film at every waking hour. It stays with you in an amazing way. A bit outside of the film, too, what was amazing for me was... The marketing. Yeah. They put they spent so much money on that marketing campaign. Oh, you know they did. And, oh my and, God. and the in the detail in I mean, you're dealing with the Riddler and this version is this puzzle master who like has so, yeah. encrypted stuff truly Killer. in all the mess I don't know if you saw the one poster in theaters where if you took your phone up and turned your flashlight on uh -huh. in the reflection, like built into the poster, um, there's a secret message hidden. Like in, in it was wild. Uh, so yeah, the marketing was insane. Um, oh yeah. I think a huge thing for this movie, um, I will say Colin Farrell is a very different take on the Penguin. It didn't feel like a, a rehash of the former iteration that we were all a very mm -hmm. big fan of. And yeah, he had a mystery to solve. And I also think this movie gives so much context for who Batman is, who Bruce Wayne and the Wayne family are. It gives a lot of context that 
Ah, oh, such good context. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I literally was like, she's a what? What is happening? Yes. This is so good. Like, the, uh, that's like, that's the puzzle. That's someone who sat down with everything. Yes. And was like, okay, this is the basic story, but how can we make this different? And they made it different, they and but they tied everything together so beautifully, like a little bow. And I was like, oh, thank God someone smart wrote this movie. <laughs> someone really smart wrote this damn movie, and they probably yes. spent hours think being like okay does this make sense is this okay can we make this fit here in the timeline and the every piece this movie just has to be itself it doesn't have to be contained to a large universe it doesn't have to have like these constraints it doesn't feel like warner brothers came to them and was like well we need to include the riddler and bane and you know you know insert characters here like it felt like every detail had a payoff and a tie to something else had payoffs that didn't feel related but did so for this movie do we i mean i i feel like i've given more must watches in this pantheon of of movies or this franchise than in other franchises but i have to add this one to the list i think this is a must watch especially for a first time viewer um garrett where are you at with this one? Oh, must watch and that may just be because i'm currently obsessed with this film but i am obsessed with this film so <laughs> it is a must watch all right zuri it's a must watch because I saw it twice in theaters and it's COVID times, y'all. So I'm just saying like, <laughs> the fact that I braved the COVID. And if you're hearing this now, um, it is available to stream on HBO Max. So there's no excuse to not see it at this point. Before we leave the final question of this podcast, a little segment known as the Starter Pack, where out of all these films we've just talked about, someone comes to you and is like, listen, I've never gotten around to watching any Batman I will give it three movies. What three movies are you gonna throw that person's way? I have a question. Yes, are these yes. people who have seen, who, who like comic books in general, or are these just people who are like? This is a person with no context. No context, Great. like I've heard who Batman is. People say these movies are good. Which ones, which three do I give a chance? Okay. Um, Garrett, do you wanna go first? Oh yeah. Mask of the Phantasm. Okay. The Dark Knight. Okay. And The Batman. And the Batman could be interchangeable with Batman 89 or Batman Returns. Mm. It depends whether you want something a bit more light or something a bit more uh, dark and modern. Okay. Do you put it in that specific order? I think they're pretty interchangeable, but I would watch the Batman last. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Zuri, do you have one? Um, I would say the Dark Knight, the Batman, and it's between Batman Returns or the Mask of the Phantasm for me. I think I'm going to say... Because I really love the... I'm going to say Mask of the Phantasm because I'm like, watch the cartoon. Right. <laughs> like, um, so that's my main reason for picking that. I love Batman Returns. But for some people, especially in a contemporary mindset, mm -hmm. that's too much for them. Right. Batman Returns is like, what, what did you what did you make me watch and right. why did you do why did you do that to me so yeah and i would say the order would be actually i'm gonna put the dark knight then mask of the phantasm then the batman interesting so we're all sort of dancing around the same group of movies um mask of the phantasm almost made my list maybe it's because of my lack of connection to the animated series that i did push it off so i'm glad boo, boo i know <laughs> tomato 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 i know um that being said coming from from where i'm at so the order that i it's same movies different order i go the batman Batman Returns and The Dark Knight. Reason for that order, I think if you start with The Batman, yes, it's a bit of a commitment for a new person to watch a three-hour movie. That being said, as we've mentioned, it, it moves quickly for a three-hour movie, but also it captures Bruce Wayne at an earlier point when he's still figuring some things out. Following that up with Batman Returns, a bit more established Batman um, and also a little a little taste of that zany the what did we say dark camp that older movies have so with that little bit in there you're like oh if you gel with that go watch those movies if not stay away and then the final movie being The Dark Knights I think culminating your three movie experience on that it's a, it's a solid finish. So that is that is my starter pack. But I think all three of those are well thought through, good intentions in all of them. I <laughs> We all sort of danced around the same movies because there are some gems in this pantheon of Gotham. 
thank you so much for joining me. This was a delight to have this conversation about Batman, and I promise I will watch Batman the Animated Series and, and shoot you an email back once, once I've done so. <laughs> Garrett, uh, is there anything you want to plug? If not, I'm just going to say thank you so much for being here. <laughs> I have nothing to plug, so thank you. That's all right. I so appreciate, you know, we go a ways back, and it was fun to have you pop back up in my life right at a time when I was like, I need someone to talk about Batman. So this is perfect. <laughs> and Zuri, uh, where can folks find you? Please plug your wonderful podcast. Yeah, you can find me, myself, on Instagram at Zuri with a fringe on top, or you can follow my podcast, Super Black, where I have a bunch of black panelists, black identifying panelists, and we talk about superheroes across the spectrum, including anime. So if you like all that stuff, feel free to follow us at Super Black Podcast on IG, or you can follow us on Twitter at Super Black. Or no, Super Plodcast. That's what it is. I forgot for a second because they're different. And I hate that they're different, but you know, that's the world that we live in uh, right now. <laughs> getting the domains for things, it's, 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 so it's, hard. It's, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. Thank you so much for being here. This was a delight. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation discussing all things Batman in film. It was a marathon to both record and produce. But I had such a great time doing it. And honestly, personally, it was a great excuse to revisit all of the films related related to Batman. I would like to once again thank my two guests, Garrett Murphy, who is an old friend and always a pleasure to talk all things comics, movies, and nerdiness with, as well as Zuri Washington, whose podcast I once again urge you to check out. Super Black's a great time. However, if you like this podcast, I would recommend giving us a review. I guess that's what, I believe that's what you do for podcasts. And in your review, if you want to recommend a fandom for us to cover in the future, I'll keep an eye out on those. I've got a few plans for over the summer, but I don't want to say anything. But I'd be very curious to see what fandoms you would like a deep dive analysis of. Whether it's a fandom you're curious to dip your toe in, or a fandom you know well that you would love to hear an overview of. You can follow this podcast on social media. Our handle is fandom underscore handbook. That's F-A-N-D-O-M underscore H-A-N-D-B-O-O-K. And if you want to follow me, my name's Tony Pinella. If you want to follow me, I'm at Tony Pinella on all platforms. Thank you so much again for joining this conversation. And until next time, nerd out. <laughs>